The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. And second episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with the proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summons. I am the host of this lovely show, currently snuggled up in my brand new pro wrestling t ship CM Punk Bomber Jacket, and it is badass. I wish you could see it. It's amazing. Joining with me, as always, of course, is my good buddy, Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? I am doing great. Uh, I am here. Been watching some baseball. The Red Sox unfortunately lost, so that is not good. But there's 162 games, so can't get very angry about those things. Yeah, my Tigers lost today too. It is what it is. But we have a third joining with us on this episode of All Things Elite. With us this week, we have ourselves an impact wrestling expert from Social Suplex's Impact Slash Gaming Podcast, the 8-Bit Suplex. We have Josh, I want to make sure I say this right, McLaurin. Is that right? Am I good? (laughs) It's McLaughlin. It's McLaughlin. McLaughlin. You were so close, so close. No R's in there, though. Uh, But hey, man, uh, I'm happy to be here, guys. Uh, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. I will say your last name normally now. <laughs> you know, you could just say Josh Mick or just yeah, yeah, Josh yeah. or Josh Jim or, yes. you know, hey, guy, you know, whatever works. Or Josh, <laughs> or Josh number two, as he's so lovingly nicknamed. Yeah, Josh number two. Yeah, I take a backseat to Josh Smith, uh, of course, of uh, keeping it strong style. He was there first. You know, I, I, I'll come for the top spot eventually, but I'll wait my turn. All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about on this episode of All Things Elite. Of course, there's the build-up towards Impact Rebellion with Kenny Omega being on the show defending, well, actually, no, going for the Impact World Championship against Rich Swan. We'll get to that in our big news of the week. We've got everything in Dynamite to talk about. Before we get into the show real quick, though, we'll make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcast. You can leave a rating and a review. If you listen to us on Spotify or anywhere else on podcasts, you can give us a share. And, of course, if you're so inclined to, you can leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. And if you want to support us simply through social media, we are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show, 8-Bit Suplex, all of our podcasting shows through their network 
possible. I am at szoomer4 on Twitter. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And real quick, where can people find you, Josh, and the 8-Bit Show on social media? Uh, yeah, just find me at, uh, at uh, Josh underscore Laughlin, I think it is. It might be flipped. It might be under Laughlin underscore Josh. I don't know. My full last name's not in there. I, I When I joined Twitter, I didn't really understand it. Uh, but I do a better job, and uh, Sandy, my co-host, does an even better job than I do with the 8-Bit Suplex uh, Twitter, which is just simply at 8-Bit Suplex. All right. Now, big news of the week, of course, is... The Kenny Omega-Rich Swan match that's taking place at Impact Rebellion, where Rich Swan will be defending the Impact Heavyweight Championship against Kenny Omega, seemingly the belt collector with Don Callis at his side, and now the full elite supporting him. This match has been treated with such a big match feel that it does... We were talking about this in the, before we even started recording. It does feel... Like, this should be taking place at a crowd. Even in my mind, I was like, if AEW could just let uh, uh, let uh, Impact just rent the Daily's place for this show, honestly, and let, like, slight crowds be there, I think that would be kind of a cool thing. I don't know necessarily how that would work out, but it does seem like specifically that match needs an audience to be around so we can just hear the pops because these guys I think are going to go to hell and back in this match and it's going to be a huge uh, opportunity I think for both guys to just really push both brands on impacts and bring eyes to both products I think it's going to do banging for the shows but I'm crazy excited for it I know Floyd's really feeling FOMO even though we just can't attend this show, but I mean, we'll go to the impact wrestling expert first, Josh, man, the hype on this match, um, uh, for you, is it, is it, are you feeling it right now? You know, I, I really am. And, you know, you talk about that big fight feel and, and I think it's important to note that impact went and got Mauro Ronaldo to come in, uh, exactly. and, and commentate on this pay-per-view. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like, you know, this is the biggest thing to happen in Impact for quite some time. You know, uh, they obviously in the mid 2000s, you know, with uh, the TNA name, they were really big, really popping. Uh, and then, of course, uh, they kind of slowly faded away and then, you know, became much more of a minor league player again. Uh, and this feels like a major league pay-per-view. I mean, really and truthfully, um, Kenny and Rich, yeah, both super talented guys, um, you know, uh, I'm I'm just I, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna work the match. How they're gonna work the finish. I'm just I'm really on the edge of my seat, kind of waiting for this one. And uh, that's more than I can say about a lot of pay per views uh, in recent days. Uh, really, of any brand of, of any match that kind of sticks out to me. The, All right. The buildup of this match has been like. I can honestly say when it was first announced that he would fight, uh, wrestle the Impact Champion, and Rich Swan and Moose were uh, go fighting to be the undisputed Impact Champion, I was like, it should be Moose. I'm like, Rich Swan's not big enough name. Rich Swan's not this. Rich Swan's not that. And I was like, Moose. I mean, look at Moose. I mean, that that's a match that the people should want. Well, Rich Swan. Uh, and how Impact, the machine that has gotten by Impact, has slowly from day one built up the excitement of this match through uh, in the six-man. If you noticed any time Kenny Omega and Rich Swan went one-on-one, Rich Swan got the best of Kenny Omega. They, they, that was perfectly done well. And then the press conference, which, you know, 
last week I had saw some of it, but I like watched all of it and it was like Kenny Omega's being this shit shitty healed and it's like, oh God, I just want to see him get pinned, which is you know what he's supposed to do. And then Don Callis is the white Don King just standing back there <laughs> like I have no talent, but he does. And you know, and it's like He's like, he is his family, and I, I just love the condescending. Rich Swan is a great wrestler. But they say great with this, like, pat on the head, attaboy type thing that you talk to someone that you know that you're, that is lower than you, and they say it with that tone, and you're just like, God, I want Rich Swan to kick you in the face. So this <laughs> has been, been a perfectly good build, and they've done it with literally no promotion from AEW. Like, if you... Other than the occasional sentence, as far as AEW programming, you wouldn't even know this match was going on. I was gonna actually ask Josh about that. How do you how do you feel about this? I thought this was kind of a working relationship. And they got no I mean, not even on the YouTube stuff that TNT doesn't own. They didn't talk about this match. Yeah, I, I think I had expected at least something a little bit more this week on Dynamite. Uh, but I think you, you did hit it right on the head. There was a sentence about how Kenny was soon to be Impact Champion. Uh, they didn't even mention Rich Swan's name, uh, which I thought was kind of strange. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where you, I guess you don't really know exactly what the working relationship is between the two companies. Um, or uh, where that starts and stops, I, I mean, I really don't know. I mean, Don Callis obviously is um, very uh, in charge of Impact uh, as much as Scott Demore is. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what why that choice is or what uh, what you know the cons uh, you know are kind of looking at this. I, I don't know. I, I really it it feels like this is the most important thing to happen to Impact in the last five years, and for AEW it doesn't doesn't feel very important yeah because the thing what i noticed is like i know tnt has a lot of a lot of say into the kind of the ancillary things that go on it like even jericho said tnt said don't do any more like surprise you know, show like they did with sting because you know they want a chance to promote it and get people to watch it give a hint so i get that so i get why it hasn't been on dynamite telling someone to go watch somebody else's program order someone else's pay-per-view okay i get that but youtube is completely aw's ip they have control of it there's cussing on there and that stuff you think you would have got a graphic <laughs> you think rich swine could have showed up in a match where kenny omega's in the six man and like kicked him in the face or did something just to push more weight towards it like they got me but I don't think like me, you, and Austin, what you would consider casual or regular wrestling fans. We're going to know what's going on no matter what. But let's say my wife, who occasionally watches AEW with me, she doesn't even know this is going on. You know what I mean? And it's right. like, those are the people you're trying to get, right? Aren't those the people you're trying to get to order a pay-per-view? The people that, you know, don't, wouldn't normally order the pay-per-view? So I, I yeah it just seems it seems weird, and I know probably everything's negotiated, but it seems like AEW's like you need me, I don't need you kind of thing. I it's like for me it's like yeah I thought at least in the little promo that took place earlier on uh, Dynamite uh, this week I would have thought 
that we would have gotten at least a Rich Swan name drop. Or at least say that, hey, um, he's going to be coming to Impact for this show. Um, I didn't even think they would have like said... They didn't. I don't think they didn't even need to say the show name. Just be like, "This day is when he'll be become he'll become Impact World Champion on this day," just to like hype up Kenny Omega, and then people would have been like, "Oh, a show's happening this day," and then that's how they can find it. But yeah, there like you said, like there was little to none of that. But I feel like Impact's still trying to. I don't even know what necessarily to say. It's like, yeah, the relationship still isn't necessarily clear. It's there. We just don't know what's allowed, what's not. But we'll. I think the big telling point will be exactly how well the pay-per-view does. And I think that'll be the huge point of like seeing how well the match sells for the show. So there's, I think, a lot of questions surrounding that. And I think we'll get those answered when Rebellion happens. But before we get to the Dynamite review... I, I, I actually, before you say that... Oh, uh, go ahead. What's everybody's predictions? What do you, who do you think is going to win, Josh? Oh, man. I, I, I've been, I've been kicking this around because, you know, it, we, we love this carny business, right? Um, I, I, man, I just, I feel like, I feel like there's some way that neither guy is going to win. I, I, I know I hate to say that, um, because we like to see a definitive winner. Um, but with the, the rules of the match and the outcomes of the match determining that you take a belt to another show, um, and given that AEW hasn't talked about it at all, I can't imagine Kenny winning the, the Impact belt and then not bringing it onto Dynamite or not bringing it onto. I mean, he was on uh, Dark Elevation this week and they didn't mention it. So I, I just don't see the groundwork laid for that. And then obviously I don't see Kenny losing. So for me, I, I, I hate to give the prediction of neither, <laughs> but I, I think I'm going neither. And how, yeah. how about you, sir, Austin? Yeah, that's the thing too. It's like honestly, it's like I don't the it's it because like here's I will say fully because like Impact Wrestling, I keep up as much as I possibly can, but I can fully say I don't watch it weekly, so I don't know how many days a week you can see, like you normally see the Impact World Champion on weekly for Impact. So I don't know if it's like they're on every single week, but they'd have to be on a good amount, and I don't know how much. AEW would want was would have Kenny Omega show up like he'd basically be a Brock Lesnar champion just on a different show with that title belt and right. I don't know if they want that so like my mind's instantaneously going towards like John Moxley and or Eddie Kingston showing up distracting Kenny and then like a quick uh, roll up Rich could cheat too I could see being possible um, but. Yeah, it's like I don't see a situation where Rich Swan doesn't still have the title, but it's like I feel like it's got to be coming from some sort of AEW-related shenanigans to keep Kenny from winning the title. Because otherwise, it's just like I don't know how often you'll see him there and if Impact would even want Kenny to have the title to begin with. So, yeah, I, I'll just go with Rich Swan for this for this one. I am going all in on Kenny Omega, and there is one specific reason. Impact does not have a star. They have a lot of great wrestlers. Uh, James Storm, uh, Eddie Edwards, you know, uh, Eric Young. They have a lot of great wrestlers. But they don't have a name that you can build or uh, put behind to get more success and eyes on the company. You know, Rich Swan 
was a 205 Live champion. Uh, you know, a lot of WWE fans probably still see him as a cruiserweight. But Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega, the ratings, God. Kenny Omega, he brings ratings when he comes to him. He brings eyes when he comes to him. Even if he doesn't wrestle, when he's on the show, the ratings for uh, Impact go up. So if you're trying to build your next star, what do you do? You put Kenny Omega up there. You make him as obnoxious as possible. Make everyone hate him. He's the AEW guy with the Impact belt. And then, you know, build up for a while. Find the guy that's going to be that guy. Build him up, and hopefully he can take your company to the next level when he finally beats the dastardly Kenny Omega. But if they don't go that way, I could see Mox coming up, uh, showing up, and costing Kenny the title just because. But uh, I, I truly think uh, that's the thing that it is. It's like because it's title versus title. I, I could see them, you know, Rich Swan just beating Kenny Omega if the AEW title wasn't on the line. But because it's title versus title, it's either going to have to be a screwy double DQ double count out or you go with Kenny Omega. So, But I am predicting going with Kenny Omega. I am passing control of the show back to you, Austin. All right, yeah. Well, we'll just get right into the AEW Dynamite results. Uh, first up, we quickly started off with the number one ranked hangman, Adam Page, continuing his streak of wins as he took on absolute Ricky Starks with Hook. At ringside, Team Taz, of course, has been uh, the, I would say, the weakest uh, faction that we've had in AEW recently just because they haven't been able to get wins. Just there's dissension in the ranks between Ricky and Brian Cage. Taz seemingly hasn't been able to get any of his guys like on the same path. Um, and like, yeah, Hangman's just on a beast of a run recently. Um, I will say um, Ricky Starks from a... German suplex release where he was supposed to like flip out of it and land on his feet like near like he landed right on the top of his head like I thought Ricky could have compressed his neck in a really bad way it was a scary scary German that could have ended really badly um but thankfully he seemed okay the match itself went really strongly though um it was a good win for uh hangman uh after the match was over he got chop blocked by a uh, hook, which then led to Ricky Starks and Hook beating up on Hangman. Brian Cage came out to try to help, but then the Dark Order came and helped Hangman, and that would be the end of that little bit. So it was a good opener, um, but for me, that spot scared the shit out of me with Ricky because I thought like he could have like it a f- fraction of a movement on that German release and it could have ended so badly for him but the match itself was still a strong opener though but we'll go to Josh first on this one thoughts on this quick open match yeah it was funny I was reading Twitter uh, today and there was all these people commenting about a spot that happened in the uh, the main event that I didn't yeah. think that looked bad and then everyone's like uh did you not see Ricky Starks eat a German with his <laughs> top of his head? Like, I was going to say, yeah, that, yeah. The, you chose that spot of all things. It's like when people were trying to cancel Eminem and they used uh, Love the Way You Lied. I'm like, that's the song you chose? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Gen Z's trying to uh, cancel uh, sober Eminem. Uh, you know, good luck. Um, but yeah, I mean, this match was great. Uh, Hang, like you said, Hangman's been on a tear. Like everything he hits, like the, this past few weeks and even maybe the past few months, uh, has just absolutely just 
made just a, a resounding impact with every blow that he throws. Um, and I don't know how many times I've seen him win with a submission move, um, but I thought it looked great. I thought uh, using the injured ankle of Ricky Starks uh, kind of in the uh, kayfabe there uh, really helped. Uh, Taz was doing a great job on commentary. Um really selling that fact too. So it kind of protects Ricky a little bit. So that doesn't look like he's just, you know, geeking out a little bit to uh, Hangman. but yeah, I mean, I'm used to uh, dynamite with really, really strong openers. I, it's not the strongest opener they've ever done in my opinion, but it was pretty, still a pretty good match. So I am jumping in with the hot take that I'm tired of team Taz losing. Uh, I had a feeling you would say this. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it I can't get excited about their matches. They're going to lose. When I saw Hangman versus Ricky Starks for the first time, I'm supposed to be excited about this match. These are two very young, talented individuals. But I went into that match, and I know things. If you are associated with Taz and you have a big match, you are going to lose. That shouldn't be... They should win sometimes. <laughs> like, like I said, I, I get it. I understand that they're a mid-card healed faction. I do. But you have to make them scary in some way where I, have to, I will take them serious. Yes, they went on dark and, dark and Dark Elevation. But if any person that just watches Dynamite next week... You'd be like, why is Taz talking tough and yelling? His team always loses. So, I don't know. The match was great. I, I, I love how they adjusted to the mess up. Unfortunately, I've been watching wrestling so long, uh, long that I am completely numb to bad-looking spots. I didn't even, like, I noticed he took it, and he got up a little slow, and I was like, okay, he was selling. I don't know. It just never even registered to me that it was bad. I mean, I saw it in real time. Never even registered to me. It was just, I guess, wrestling has desensitized me in that way. Then everybody said, go back and watch. Then I replayed. And I was like, yeah, he did. He, he took, took it. A pretty nasty looking bump. And But, yeah, I'm glad he made it through. They actually put on a good match. Something that made sense. But, like I said, anybody that watched, has watched Dynamite for a month can tell you. Team, the guy with Team Taz was going to lose. They need a win somewhere. They need a feud win. If you want to put them against another mid-card-like faction, they need a feud win because it's it's like literally they're becoming dynamite jobbers instead of well, like I yeah, and like I said, like it seemed like their solution to the fact that like no like Team Taz's momentum or was non-existent and that they had no staying power in terms of like getting wins was to have the brian cage versus ricky starks feud taking place inside of team taz to give them something so one of them would get a win out of that but yeah it's it's a situation where it's like they have to get someone and it can't be on darker elevation like it's it's got to be on dynamite because that's they every time they come to dynamite is where they lose so it's the one area with, like I said, it, they're probably their weakest faction right now, which is a shame to say because I love Taz and everyone in that group looks like they could do well. Like Ricky did great in that match. Brian Cage is a beast. Powerhouse Hobbs did amazing. We'll talk about him later tonight. Hook's got potential. Like I'm, there's 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 upside to this group. They they just got to get wins. And we just haven't seen them win at all. 
Um, yeah, but, the, uh, the winds can't come against Stone Rockwell and Mike Magnum. <laughs> no, very much not. And like, no disrespect to them, but it's got to be on Dynamite, and it's got to be against people that shout fans out. can recognize too. Shout out to friend of the show, Mike Magnum. He tags us in a lot of stuff, and I hell yeah, I never know why. No, no. We appreciate Listen, not the disparaging tags. him. Not disparaging him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was gonna say he tags us and stuff, and I'm like, cool. And he retweets our stuff. So, Mike Magnum, you're cool with me. No, yes, but, you're uh, cool with us. But yeah, you lose, you know, every time. That's just a. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, okay. It's, it's okay. It's just a fact. It's not a like a shot. But I'm glad he's on TV. I he, he I guess. Hell yeah. He, I guess he had been in the business like a very long time, and he said he'd always wanted to be on a show, and he got on the show. He was on a uh, Dark Elevation. So get that work, man. Get that work. Congrats to Mike Magnum. Yes, we had a quick little segment showing that the elite had arrived to Daly's place with their own private trailer. And that would quickly move into Trent's first singles match back from injury as he took on Penta El Zero Miedo of Death Triangle with Alex Abrahentes on, on the ringside. And he was just running his mouth. Like it seems like he is just rel- like the commentary made reference to this multiple times. This heel manager pers- uh, position he's been pushed into, he seems to be relishing in this, and like he seems to be having so much fun just right next to Penta, and like it's like for me it rubs off on you, like because I, it seems like he's never really gotten this position before in his career, and I I could be wrong on that honestly. I haven't followed him since AEW, and that's on me. But yeah, it seems like he's just fully loving this little run he's getting with Penta. But these guys did really well. Trent singles wise has shown himself to be crazy talented. This is his first match back. There was a point where the pile driver that took place on the apron uh, was moved a little bit to the point where like Penta was grabbing the ropes, which caused him to move a little bit to the side where his head didn't really come through between Trent's legs. I think it still worked out, but it was it just made took away the impact. That's really the only gripe I have on the match, but it's just one one little move. But they still killed each other. Penta's incredible, of course. He got that pump handle, uh, powerbomb suplex combo. Uh, and then he was able to use that package pile driver to get the pin. After, of course, Alex grabbed a mic and got told Trent, Penta says your mama sucks. And you just don't do that because Trent instantaneously went for a chair, got distracted, and, of course, more interference caused the match to get... Uh, yeah, he got hit with a microphone, which led into the pile driver, and that got the big win for Penta. So Trent's first win back is caused by first loss back is caused by shenanigans. Um, but yeah, honestly, the biggest thing I took was just the fact that Alex is loving this, and just it seems he's so into this, and I can I can feel that from his performance he's giving. But we'll go to Josh first on this match. Thoughts on Trent versus Penta. I'm I'm a little conflicted going into this one, uh, and it's because uh, I love best friends. Uh, but the thing I love more than best friends is Lucha Libre wrestling. So for me, like anytime I see you know Penta or Phoenix or you know basically anyone with a mask steps into the ring, I kind of get a little excited. So uh, I definitely I love this match. Uh, you know Penta every time he hits somebody, it just it sounds like it hurts. Uh, I thought Trent looked pretty good. Uh, 
no uh, no ring rust uh, in singles competition uh, whatsoever. Um, like you mentioned, like the uh, the pile driver on the apron kind of looked like a, almost like a slip out. Almost it was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, every other spot was uh, pretty great. Uh, there was a really good destroyer that Penta did. Uh, I liked that spot quite a bit. Uh, but this is, I mean, this is the match that you won out of these two guys. Quite honestly, uh, I don't, I don't know that you could get a better one out of them. Well, first about Alex Ibrahantes, I just want to say he's like the kid that has been watching uh, people play. You know, like he never gets picked to play in the basketball game or the soccer game, and he's had to sit over there in excitement, like I wish I could play, and then they finally say, "Well, hey, this person's out. You get to play," and then he gets in the game. And he's scoring all the goals and making all the baskets because they gave him a role and they thought it was just like a tiny role that probably was going to go. And he has made this thing gold. It is like one of my favorite parts of the show. Penta says and his face completely changes when he goes into Penta says mode. And he says it's so much anger, anger and so much energy. And it's just like, man, and you could see one day. Like later on, you could see them using it as a way to turn Penta face because he may not be translating exactly what Penta says. But yes, it, it was just such a turning point. He adds, like, he adds some gravitas to an already dynamic person. Like, he just adds that little bit of extra thing. And I think it can end up leading to a bigger Pentagon push because it, it's just, he just makes him so much more threatening. You know, and so I, I, I do love, I think that's perfect. I think they have fell into something really, really great on this. Maybe they saw it in the back and thought it might have been something, or it it was on that first TV, but it's really great. Uh, the match was really good. The uh, the pile driver mistake, I was kind of like, uh, to me, and I am probably the only one that thinks this, this is one of my horrible Floyd takes, which I am known for. I kind of like in wrestling when they make a mess up, it makes it feel like more of a fight than a performance. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with and that. So it's like that mess up. Of course, the guy doesn't want to get dropped on his head, so he's going to fight back and he right. might not <laughs> land on it in a way. And I'm like, oh, that made sense. You take some of the choreography out of it. It makes it feel more more oriented to a fight, yeah. Exactly. And it was just like, you know, when I was growing up, when the guys kind of were like fat and wrestled, it was like, yeah, they messed up all the time. But everything was so raw that it just looked like a fight. And it's just like now when, you know, in the world of stars and stuff, everybody wants everything to be excellent executed. And I'm like, that's great. But sometimes, you know, a little mess up can add to it. In this case, for me, it did. It just made it seem like he didn't want to get dropped on his head, which, you know, most reasonable people don't. So good match. I thought it was a really, I thought it was a good match. I, I wouldn't call it great or anything, but it was good for the spot it was used on the card. Yeah, and it's going to be looking like it's going to be a building towards Penta versus Orange Cassidy, as Penta was just eyeing up OC the entire match pretty much. And before he hit the microphone on Trent, uh, Orange Cassidy tried to get in the ring, but then he pretty sure he ate a thrust kick from him. And yeah, so we'll get that most likely in a later match. After this was the incredible Jim Ross sit-down interview with the Pinnacle. I because we're going to be talking about the Inner Circle interview that took place later in the show too with Tony Schiavone. Honest to God, dude, like 
this was so well. This was so well done. And I especially loved Wardlow's little spot that he got to talk after he brought in the brand new silk scarf for MJF gifted by Tully Blanchard, where Wardlow mocks the fact of like, you were running your mouth pretty well, but the moment you tried to get Wardlow out of your mouth is when you stuttered because you knew even you didn't believe what you were saying about me and what you could do to me. That was strongly done. Jericho was ripped by MJF talking about how I'm not great from 25 for 25. I'm great, period. When you were 25, you were curtain jerking at WCW Worldwide. That was really strongly done. Jericho uh, was told that, hey, I'm undefeated. If my memory serves you correct, I already beat you, Chris, which does make me better than you. And I'm not a mark for you. That's in response to what Jericho said last week. MJF sold the hell out of this match. And I will talk more about what happened with the uh, Inner Circle interview. But this one set the tone for the Blood and Guts match very strongly, which, correct me if I'm wrong, because I think I heard them say this. Is it a one-match show with the Blood and Guts match? That's what they're saying. Yeah, that's crazy to me, that they're just, the whole show will be that match. Well, I get commercial times and stuff like that, which makes sense, I guess, but at the same time, though, it's like, Jesus. If you're you're doing a five-on-five Blood and Guts and each round is five minutes, it'll take 40 minutes just for everybody to get in the ring. Absolutely, yeah. I don't, and that's I just... don't, I don't know if that's what they're going to set up, but that's, yeah. I mean, it, it could take 40 minutes to get in the ring with commercial breaks and probably other promos. Yeah, I could see it doing the two hours. Yeah, I'll need, a, I'll need an uncut, no commercials version to be uploaded at a later date, though. That's just me. And it's just because it's going to be weird to have a, a Blood and Guts match like that be on free TV. But I'm still crazy hyped for it. Uh, anything anyone want to say about this interview with the Pinnacle and how MJF just cut a crazy good promo on this? Yeah, I just, I, I've been one of the few people, and it's fine, I get wrecked on this all the time, that has not been as big on MJF promos. Um, I just feel like he's, he's just trying to say lines a lot of times. Like he wants to make sure he gets that punchline across and it doesn't feel very organic. Um, but I think this interview felt more organic for me. It felt like he was really, um, he was, he was talking through all of his points, but he wasn't talking through a, a line of dialogue that he had pre-written as much. If that makes sense. Um, but I, I felt like this was probably one of his stronger uh, promo efforts. Um, it definitely, it definitely sets the stage really well. Uh, this masterclass in cutting a promo. Um, this was an angry heel promo, and I love angry Max just because, it, like I said, there's emotion behind it. Again, it's just not him being snarky and trying to get a reaction. So I agree with Josh on that situation. But when he went into the Chris Jericho, uh, Chris Jericho rub, and he says, "Where you wrestle already over X, and then take the credit for them being over," I (laughs) howled because he used the exact. He used like the exact. Pretty much everybody Chris Jericho was interviewed with since he was in AEW, and he put them in order, and that was a straight callback. But it was like. 
a lot of people, I've seen people say these sentiments online, and that was great. Wardlow was like, you knew you were saying something wrong, and I was just like, good Lord. And I love it. He doesn't talk a lot, but when he talks, he means it. He is truly the enforcer of this group. And I just like, you know, Max does the talking. Max is the figurehead of the group. Uh, Sean Spears and FTR, even though they can talk, they can cut promos, they're letting Max handle that right now. They'll talk when it's time. So I definitely enjoyed this segment. I just thought I just thought MJF is everything everyone says he is. It's almost like I said, you're running out of adjectives to talk about how good he is. He's just one of those people that get professional wrestling and what it's supposed to be. Oh, yeah. Right out of this, too, I will say I, I was I actually really like this placement was after this hot interview, we go straight into the AEW Women's World title match between Hikaru Shida and number one ranked Tay Conti. This was a nice mixture of heavy striking and great transitions into submissions and and just great um, pinning combinations. These two did really well. The senton off of the top rope with Sheeta laying over the top rope was crazy, and that move to where she where Sheeta responded after, later in the match by taking Tay Conti. And just basically standing on the top rope and then dropping her on her back on the top rope just over top of it was such a crazy spot. Love that moment. Um, these two went back and forth. There was a couple moments where I truly thought take on because they'd been going with her for a while and with her relationship with the Dark Order too. Her as AEW Women's Champion became more and more reasonable to me as the match was going along. But Sheeta was able to get the get the win, retain her title, continue her historic reign over 333 days with the title, longest reigning AEW champion of all time. After the match, though, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, walks out, points up to the Titantron to the new rankings, shows what was there. Hmm, Tay Conti, number one ranked lost. I'm right underneath that. That makes me number one ranked. And then... Sheeta just throws her candlestick at Britt, <laughs> which I thought was a great response to Britt being like, I'm next, and then just, oh, there's a candlestick flying at my face. But I love this uh, match, and I thought these two did really well. I would like to see Tay Conti in the championship picture again. I hope this isn't her one and only shot. I think this she did really, really well in this match. Multiple great uh, strikes from her. And again, yeah, they did great transitions in their submissions as well. Um, good mixture of striking and technical wrestling. Yeah, I got nothing bad to say about this match. But Josh, thoughts on this women's titles match? Yeah, no, I, I thought the match was excellent. And it, and it really did a good job of showcasing both women's skills um, as it pertains to both striking and then some of the judo uh, aspects too. Because uh, we know that um, you know Tay is, is a competitor in judo. Um, I'll say this, and, and and I'll and I'll take this opportunity to publicly state uh, and admit that I was wrong about some things, and and I necessarily wasn't wrong about them in public. So I'm going to admit that I'm wrong in public to things that I said, uh, perhaps in, in private. And Floyd, you may remember me saying this um, when AEW signed Tay Conti. I I said why I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I've seen Teddy Conti wrestle so many times in person. 
I attended Mae Young Classic too. I saw her wrestle three times in two days. I didn't. I didn't get it. I said AEW needs to get someone bigger, better than her. Like why? Why take Conti right? And then over the past probably I don't know uh, one or two months, and you start to see like after she's getting these reps and this confidence, like you know what? I, I eat my words. Tay Conti is a, a, a is going to be an absolute star. Um, I think she's she's definitely the future of the women's division uh, in AEW. Um, she's super young, so she's got a lot of time to learn still. Um, and you know, when you throw her in there with someone like uh, Hikaru Shida, um, I think that gives her a much better opportunity to showcase some of her talents um, than compared to some of the people that she I saw her wrestle when she was in developmental um, uh, at, at WWE. So uh, it you put a lot of trust behind her. You, you trust in her athleticism and her natural abilities. Um, man, I got nothing but good things to say about this match and, and specifically about uh, the trajectory of Tay Conti. I think she's going to be on top for a while. Yeah. Um, I, I was very impressed by this match. Um, oh, Tay um, has tied Tay, whatever you say. She is, uh, she has improved so much. Now, let me say when he, I do remember you saying why. And I always said she had a presence. And I was like, I don't think she ever got a chance to show what she had. And, of course, you saw on house shows I didn't. So you had more of a knowledge of her wrestling skills than I did. Because I just got what she did on NXT TV. But I was just like, dude, when she comes out. She has a presence about her. She has a thing that makes you want to look at her. And I think in AEW, you know, instead of maybe the NXT way and or, you know, the WWE way where, you know, they're trying to get everything together to teach you the basics. When you're in uh, W, when you're in AEW, you're working with Dustin and Thunder Rosa and Serena and they're working to get you TV ready right then. They're working, right. they're training you to so they can use you right now. And that's the thing. WWE is like training you like, well, maybe we can get something out of you in two or three years. The urgency in AEW is a little higher and you can be like, okay, if you're getting better, we're going to use you more on TV. So maybe that's what she needed. The more personalized attention is what she needed to get better. And like I said, I don't know, but I have just her whole gimmick, everything going on. I think she's gonna make a kick-ass heel one day. I I I, does, I think she's like Brit. She has that face of a heel, and but we'll see that uh, down the line. But um, yeah, I thought the match was really good, and the women's division again is proving the naysayers wrong. But this is not you know luck or this is not timing. This is hard work. You are visual. You are seeing them visibly getting better. Is Tay Conti one of the best women's wrestlers in the world right now? No, but you are actually seeing the building blocks to where she may be there later on. And you know when she's she might be a year or two away from a title run, but now people actually believe in her as she's going to have this audience behind her as one day when she becomes champion or if she becomes champion they'll be rooting for her because last night that was a pro tay crowd and uh facebook and twitter and all the other social medias were very pro tay i was like i'd say it was like 80 20 it was very clear that they wanted the title to change so 
Uh, but shout out to Karashita that that top rope thing with uh, when they, she rammed her back on there. Oh my god! I thought I yeah. knew what was coming, and it, then it didn't. And then she kind of did that tilt a world backbreaker in the middle of the ring. I was like, I I I believe it gave us a vicious side of Sheeta. Like I'm going to keep my title. I know you're my friend, but I will break you to keep the title. And I think that added uh, extra towards Sheeta going forward as she's moving into her a few with Brit, which I am super excited for. I. Very much since she became heel, I am a Britt Baker fan. I just like she understands this, she gets this, uh, and she's very good at it. So it's gonna be hilarious how Britt is supposed to be the shitty heel, and she's going to go if they do this at um, double or nothing. She's going to go into double nothing, and the crowd is going to be completely on her side. Yeah, it's and it's gonna be huge when she wins that. Honestly. And yeah, Tay Conti, like I said, like I 100% see future. I would like to see a future shot with her, like somewhere down the road, like in a in a year or two. I would think she could definitely be another person you could throw in to challenge for the title, and I could see her holding it for a while too. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Britt Baker, when she becomes women champion, she will run rough shot on the division. It's gonna be so good. Another quick backstage segment with Miro basically saying it's another week and she still can't find Kip, which doesn't matter really because he's not going to be kept from his destiny. You got a title, you got a problem, but real question is which champion do I beat first? So still teasing on where Miro's going to be going, whether it's main title or TNT title. Um, just a small little thing there. I like the fact that they're still trying to Get, keep Miro in people's minds because I think when he does try to go title hunting, he should be vicious. And I want him to be just vicious. But oh, go ahead. Oh, you kind of cut out there. What, did you, what was the last thing you just said? I just said he he needs to be vicious. And I think whether or not Kip comes back and they have a small match or whatnot, sure. But I think Miro sooner rather than later i'd like to see him at least start planting the seeds for who he wants to go and take their title from but after this we had the inner circle interview with tony shivani leading to the blood and guts match jericho i will say first off i want to say i love how each member except for some reason uh ortiz ortiz didn't say anything in this in this uh segment uh Every single member of the inner circle, on, other than Ortiz, which I would have liked to hear him say something, got something to say, even if it was uh, as little as Sammy Guevara saying what straw is in Spanish. <laughs> but look, whatever. I love that I got to hear Hager talk. Santana was just a badass motherfucker when he got on mic. I loved hearing him talk. Um, Jericho went a lot more comedic with his promo, which is fine. Um, the little so song he did was whatnot. Honestly, the funniest part was that he had the easiest uh, easiest rhyme that he could have set up. Uh, he's a piece of shit, and it's and it's you know it's true. He shoved his head in the toilet. You could have said full of poo. It just didn't go with the rhyme, and he seemed to smirk, knowing like, man, I had the easiest rhyme right there, and just got a swirly chant immediately after that. That I thought was funny, even if it wasn't planned. I was just like, dude, it was right there. 
you had it. But for the most part, uh, Jericho was still cutting jokes a little bit for this promo, but he still is Jericho. He's still unbelievably good on the mic. Um, but yeah, other than wanting to hear from, I would have loved it if each member of the inner circle fully had something to say, um, including Ortiz too. I think he's so good. Just like running his mouth too. I thought it would like having him, he should have said something. Um, they did good. Um, I'm still leaning towards the pinnacle who did the best there just cause MJF killed it. And Wardlow too. his little point he had to say was great. Um, even if FTR didn't say anything, they just stood there and just because they didn't really need to say nothing. Um, but this was still a really good segment. Um, we'll go to Josh on this segment too. Thoughts on the inner circle? Yeah, you know, it was it was it started off kind of good, and and I kind of I I chuckled at the stupid straw joke uh, with the prop that Hager had, um, but that's about I think what what you can give him is. You know that single one liner and and give him a you know a handful of straws to throw. I think that's probably the maximum you're going to get out of him for promos. Um, I thought it kind of I, I'll be honest. You know it is it's Jericho being Jericho, but uh, I kind of checked out kind of in the middle of it. Uh, it it didn't ring as good as and I think probably because of what MJF did earlier in the show as far as cutting promos. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it, it it was fine. I think it got the job done. Chris Jericho was trying to cut like a baby face promo and it, you know, kind of went off the rails. It's going to happen on live TV, especially when you don't have a script. I, I, I would honestly say it was probably one of his weaker promos. He kind of saved it at the end when he got intense and angry. And I think that worked. Uh, Santana uh, is like one of the coolest people ever. I mean, so he delivered his line and it was so intense, but he still remained like cool Santana. So uh, it, it, that worked out. And Ortiz, I love him because he just stands in the back and looks crazy. And that's kind of his role. And I, I love that about him. And I, I don't know how many 80s movies you two have watched, but uh, Hager is the <laughs> 80s dumb jock. He's ogre. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have you talking out of straws. He just yells it. You know, whatever he says, he just yells because he's just there to piss people off. I hope they get over the fact that when Jake Hager is in cages, people get hurt. I hope they get that over in the next what, couple weeks as they get ready for the show because, you know, he's going to be locked in a cage with Jake Hager. So I think that'll be pretty cool. But I, I, I like I said, Jericho was the face of this interview. I'm going to, if I was to give it a grade, I'd give it a C, <laughs> but it did not because it, he recovered at the end, but when he was trying to do the musical thing and he messed up the rhyme, I know he had something wrote and he just forgot it that, you know, and just tried to keep moving on and he mess, mixes up names in the middle of it. And again, live TV, I know what happens, but it seems like it's been happening more and more lately. So. I would have to say, uh, yeah, I have to say it just kind of didn't give me that same loving Jericho feeling like I get when I usually when he cuts a promo. Yeah, I can see that, too. Um, After this, we had QT Marshall with factory members Aaron Solo and Nick Camarado on ringside versus Billy Gunn. So first um, interaction on Dynamite where we had somebody of the Nightmare family versus the Factory, and this was a solid match, I think. I, I Honestly, it was just 
seeing Billy Gunn get a match on uh, Dynamite was something I wasn't expecting to see immediately. I was thought I thought honestly my first thought was uh was Dustin Rhodes, which we did see at the end of this match, and he his face paint was fucking crazy, and the way that he just tried to he basically went like almost Finn Balor esque with his with his face paint, but. This match I thought was was decent. Um, it didn't really have a ton. I loved the fact that they're still using Anthony Agogo as their big beast in this match, um, where he just comes out while the referee is distracted, gets that bolo punch, and then QT gets that uh, diamond cutter. Um, and then after the match is over, um, Anthony Gogo gets QT a wooden chair, and then when Dustin comes out with his bull rope to try to chase him away. Um, Go, uh, he tries to uh, hit. Uh, who is? It? Yeah, he tried to hit Nick Camarado in the head with the wooden chair, and he just completely no sells it. And I, because I was at first, I was like, "Why the hell is there a wooden chair being used?" And then I was like, "Oh, it's because Nick's gonna look like a beast when he takes that shot." And uh, I like how each member, for the most part in the factory, is getting stuff to do and trying to separate themselves and giving them moments to shine. I'm sure we'll get that more with the continuation of the F- Nightmare Family versus Factory feud that's going to be going on. Uh, I don't have too much to say about this match. It wasn't bad, but I do think uh, we're still getting the early stages of what is this feud. And of course, without Cody, there's still a little bit of heat that needs to be involved in this feud to fully get it behind but it, i think it'll get there eventually but we'll go to josh first on this one yeah you know initially my first thought was uh, billy gunn in a singles match in 2021 and a hot new company and he's taking on the faction leader of the the opposing faction uh, and uh, it was I, you know, I I don't want to I don't want to say anything bad about it. There, there wasn't anything bad really to say about it. It was a five minute match, right? I, I mean, you can't really, not a whole lot can go right or wrong there. Um, yeah, I thought the the uh, the post match uh, kind of you know breakdown with the uh, the wooden chair and everything. Uh, yeah, it was some goofball shit. Um, Nick Camarado himself, um, having interacted with him a little bit uh, when he was in developmental, he's. He's kind of not all there, um, and, like outside of kayfabe. Like he, I, I asked him at one point because I, I, I have a five-year-old son uh, who was probably four at, at the time. Uh, I was like, "Hey, man, can my son take a picture with you?" Because he was doing the meet and greet, kind of walking around the thing. He was yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. So I put my kid up on the uh, barricade to take a picture, and uh, he was known as the freak beast at the time. He uh, just kind of walked away. I was just like, uh, and everyone around was kind of like, what, did he understand like what you said to him? Um, but yeah, he's kind of that, that weird kind of monster kind of person, like in general. Um, it was a cool looking effect with the wooden chair. Um, I don't necessarily like, uh, you know, even with gimmick chairs to, to do unprotected shots like that. Um, but it looks cool. It was fine. There's, there's not really anything else to say about it. We need more Cody. We need more Cody. We need more Cody. And we need more Cody. So those oh, were we really surprised by this take? Th- that is my complete thoughts on this whole section. It's like, okay, they got their crew, and Cody's just letting his boys get beat up. And like Cody's not looking good right now. Uh the chair shot, I I 
I I laughed because you know when they brought out the wooden chair, I was like, clearly this is not going to be any type of effect on the person. And then I saw an old video someone had posted, and it was Dusty doing the same shot on Ming, and Ming knows something. Mm. So I was like, oh, it's a callback. Of course, I completely forgot about this, and apparently they did it with Big Bubba Rogers and a few other people that no sold the shot. Apparently the the chair is like straw, like it doesn't hurt at all or whatever. It's just nothing. It just makes a cool sound. Uh, so there was that, and I think that was more the highlight of the match than the match itself. And <laughs> yeah, definitely. Coming out there and dressed up, you know, and he rolls, he literally rolls up his sleeves before he punches you. That is like, I don't know. I, I I mean I might be into cornball shit, but that that pops me every time. He rolls up those uh, sleeves. I'm like, oh, somebody's about to get fucked up now. And then the sleeves are up. And I just I think that's gonna be great. This whole feud, I, I truly believe, is to get a go go over. And now I'm seeing a little bit more camaraderie on it. As far as Billy Gunn being in match, some people when they leave WWE try to reinvent themselves. Some people do the exact same uh, routine that they did in the WWE. He is the latter. <laughs> so, yeah. just, you're never, you, once you, you, you've seen every Billy Gunn match you're ever going to see. <laughs> so, I mean, but, what, but is there really any other changes you need to make to the ass man? Like, truly. I'm just saying, it, it's just like, in a. I mean, you don't need to use him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <Ooh>! <laughs> I mean, he's 57 years old, man. I mean, he does look better than pretty much everybody else. But he's still 57 years old. And it's just like, the thing is, they said the key word to AEW was fresh. Fresh. That was the right. key word. Now you have a faction that has two 50-year-old people on it. You know what that doesn't sound like to me? Fresh. That's all, all I'm right. saying. All right. <laughs> well, let's get to this moment, which honestly was probably my favorite part in the show, which was the elite in their private trailer with Brandon Cutler filming as the entire elite, led by Don Callis, just like building them up. Start talking about how great everybody is. This we got the small little mention of how any Kenny Omega will be going for the Impact World Championship. Matt Jackson talks about how like these individuals were responsible for all elite wrestling, specifically with Kenny and the Young Bucks. They built up the uh, Good Brothers a little bit, and Matt said John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, uh, hey, we're here. Y- y'all, you're, you guys are back, so come and find us. Car horn starts repeatedly blaring outside the trailer, and they're just like, Kenny's trying to cut a promo, of course, and he's just like, can't focus. And like, Nick's just, of course, offside going like, we're live, guys, like, trying to really drill this in. It's Moxley behind the wheel of a pickup truck with Kingston run shotgun. They just drive straight into the trailer and then they get out. They're just being like, where they at? Where they at? They got a pipe and then Moxley slams the window of the trailer. They get inside trying to find them. They're nowhere to be found. So they must have very quickly realized, oh shit, we're about to get hit and just bolted as soon as they possibly could. Um, and, of course, the one moment that people are remembering even more than the, the crash itself with the truck was when Moxley throws the pipe back into the window. And Eddie's just like, you're going to wait until I get out of the way first? And he's like, dude, you would have been fine. He's like, I'm just saying, man, I'm walking right through. And they're just bickering like an old married couple. Like, these two working with each other 
is the best. I love both of these two so much. And Moxley got a new shirt, apparently, with his bitch AF comment. And there you go. Honestly, this is just a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching this moment. Anything else anybody want to say about this? Because, yeah, I just love this so much. Yeah, I just think it's a uh, it's a old school like uh, vignette that you would see like in, in, you know, old WWF stuff and like what old WCW stuff that was really good that, you know, just randomly just destroying shit just just for the sake of destroying shit. Like there, I mean, once they introduced the trailer at like the top of the show, I'm like, oh, that thing's getting fucked up. Like it, it like there's no like professional wrestling doesn't allow you to introduce a nice vehicle and then not destroy it in some way, like shape or form. Like somebody's going through a windshield, someone's get like the door's going to get ripped off, or you know, some giant guy's going to roll the car, right? Um, so I, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed the segment as well. Um, of course, this is where we get our our slight one sentence tease about <laughs> Kenny competing for the Impact title. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was a really fun segment. When you get that 1.2 million, you know, the budget on the TV show goes up a little bit. And they're like, <laughs> they like um, now we're just going to run a truck into a trailer and like fuck some shit up, you know, and they did. And it was it was what it was. Moxley. And it, if the point of this was for Moxley and Kingston, their chemistry to come through and them to come off looking like really cool. Home run. They did exactly that. They came out looking like two badasses that just wanted to fight. They were clearly outnumbered. It would have been two on five. It's like, what would have happened if they got in? <laughs> they would have, like It was five grown men. It was like not something, you know, it's not something that you want, but they're both crazy enough to do it. So I am looking, I am looking forward to all the interactions with these five. I can honestly say I was kind of sick of Mox and Kenny. I kind of was hoping they would go another way with it, but they find a way. And it's like, if you can record Eddie Kingston talking at any point in the day, do it because that's going to make money because he's so good at it. They were just bouncing off each other. You can, it's like, you know, they didn't talk about it before because they were just reacting to each other, especially with the whole, Hey, could you at least let me get out of the way before you pipe through the window? It was God, he's like, you shouldn't have been there. I was dying. It was just like so natural. Buddy cop movie. TNT. Let's do it. Let's get this on a buddy cop movie with Mox and Kingston. And they pretty much just bicker 80% of the movie. Sign me up. Just a, a question here. Uh, and, 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 you know, maybe this is way out of left field. But do you think maybe this segment is them showing that Moxley might be done with Kenny and it's more of a. Uh, Moxley and uh, Kingston going for the tag belts. You know what? That's what uh, basically. They, that's exactly what uh, Meltzer said this morning on the show. So you. Well, are... I don't listen to Uncle Dave, so I, you know, I came up with that on my own. So uh, no, no, uh, but, I, I, no, I was actually giving you credit. I was oh, actually, thanks. I was actually giving you credit, saying you saw something I, you know, I didn't see, but. You know, the person that knows what's going to happen saw it, too. So I'm like, oh, OK, that could be what they're saying. But it's just like until they line up Kenny Omega a contender, you're it just looks like Mox fighting Omega again. And I'm just like, I don't I, I it's not that I don't want to see it again. Their matches were great. I don't want to see it again for a while. Sure. 
once you lose, you should fall in the rankings. That's from what I understand how it works. So, um, yeah, I would like to see whoever's next up for Kenny Omega step in there. But like, it was, this was a great segment for casuals. You know, someone like us that like wrestling, probably like, eh, it's whatever. But someone that was used to watch wrestling in the Attitude Era, tuning in on Wednesday, see how it is. This is something very familiar to them. They could see Moxley as kind of a new Stone Cold or AEW Stone Cold. And, you know, Eddie Kingston is just like a mouth, and it works. It's familiar, and people tune in to shit that they think is familiar. So it worked that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for, and for me, too, when it's done with people that I am 100% behind, I can get way more into uh, segments like this, which is why, like, with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, them crashing a car into a trailer, I am totally fine with, because I will watch them pretty much talk or do anything. And, yeah, honestly, that's really all I got. Yeah, so make the Buddy Cop movie. Make it happen. We then had... Christian Cage versus Powerhouse Hobbs of Team Taz. So we had two Team Taz matches. So we had two matches where we knew what the outcome was going to be. Which is a shame to say because I do think Powerhouse Hobbs did so good in this match, honestly. Like, he, on the outside of the ring, clubbed the fucking hell out of Christian Cage's head. Just, like, missed with one swipe and then came back around with the other one and just dropped him on his head and just he collapsed with that shot and he sold it really well and i was like dude man like if team taz could just get their shit together dude powerhouse hobbs could be someone you could do good shit with but overall i still thought this match was really good i do like how really hobbs could have won this match if he didn't just wasn't too busy mocking christian with his with his with his uh hand over his head like pose and if it wasn't for that, he would have won the match because that was just the point where Christian quickly got the quick kill switch and that was your lot. So it was just like over right then and there. So I I thought the match was really strong. I thought it gave Powerhouse Hobbs a good amount of time to showcase his himself. And I think there's still a ton of potential with him. Um, but yeah, no, it's and after this, uh, Ricky Starks quickly came down to check on Hobbs and they stared down real quick. And I was like, bro, you're on one leg. What the hell are you going to try to do? Uh, but yeah, that was, that was this match again. That's really all I can say about it. Cause I think Christian building up his wins is good. And I think powerhouse Hobbs looked really good in this match too. And I think he's got a lot that he could do to it. Specifically. I'm just thinking he could use the most of getting out of team Taz for right now, but yeah, other than that, that's all I got to say about that. Josh, thoughts on Cage versus Hobbs? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's funny. Um, I've, I've always been more of a Christian guy than an Edge guy. And I know I'm Same. amongst a few. I, I, well, I'm amongst a few there. Um, but I think um, the matches that Christian is having um, here in AEW kind of proves of what we kind of knew all along that Christian was always the better worker than edge. Um, and, and as far as in ring ability goes, uh, there's no question that, that, uh, you know, that Adam Copeland is a dynamic character uh, and, and he can, you know, he was obviously red hot and he absolutely earned every WWE title chance that he got. Um, but I think Christian was someone that was always very underutilized there. 
he proved that with his TNA wrestling. Um, he proved it, you know, really, you know, all the way up until he was told he couldn't wrestle anymore. Um, and anytime that like, you know, someone has something go wrong with their head and they're, they're told they can't wrestle. I get very nervous watching any matches they have after that. Like it's the Daniel Bryan effect where anytime Daniel Bryan gets jumped, you know, dropped on his head, I hold my breath. Um, and I'm kind of that way with Christian too. Uh, but I thought, man, you know, for a man, you know, he's not a young guy, right? Uh, and he's going out there and having really good matches. Uh, I thought Will Hobbs looked like a million dollars in this match. I, I, I can I just say like all time dream matches like Will Hobbs versus like Big E would be like the the best like big man like match of all time. I, I've been full on other. Um, not not to bring up you know WWE wrestlers in this, um, but. I just uh, I loved every moment of it, and you're right. It, it feels like yeah, Christian won, uh, but he kind of stole one because uh, you know Will Hobbs was spending too much time mocking Captain Charisma, and uh, you know what? Captain Charisma is always going to take uh, every opportunity he's got to uh, pick up the win, and he did. Uh, really good match, though. I really enjoyed it. I was an Edge and Christian equally guy. I'm not trying to play the. I'm not trying to be in the middle, but I loved Christian. I'm a Christian Impact guy over an Edge WWE guy, if you want to say. I loved Christian in Impact. Uh, he just, you know, he wasn't overpowered. You know, he had to win being crafty and being a veteran. I always loved that about him. Uh, but, you know, rated our superstar. It was, it was great. Uh, but uh, sure. in, in this match, it was about making Will Hobbs look good. And that's what Christian came back to wrestling to do. He he felt like he could help the younger people move on. You Will Hobbs hadn't been in any long matches. It was generally if he was in a match, he squashed the guy really quick, you know, and just moved on. In this match, he had to work, and he's a really good worker. They got something in him, I think. I think you know he'll get only get better over the next few years when they want to actually give him that monster monster run. Uh, and Christian Cage, you know, crafty veteran maneuver. The young guy makes a mistake. He hits him with the finisher, pins him after the match. I mean, pins him. I think that was all great. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just thought this was a really good match. All right. One quick little highlight package that we had before our main event was Jade Cargill talking about how she's so hot in terms of her stock value. I mean, yes, yes. Oh, we were talking about stock value. Sorry. Her stock value in AEW is so high she's riding hot and every manager in AEW wants to sign her they show big money matt and vicky guerrero talking about how much they want her on underneath their uh, wing and she's like look y'all better make one hell of a deal because she doesn't need nobody and i'm still 100 percent behind jade cargill just being one of your top female wrestlers it's just like she's got so much that is going to do so well for them. And I think it's, she's just got that perfect look. She's got her promos are doing even better. I think her in ring work has shown that she can do well. I think the long matches are what people are wanting to see how well she can do on, but yeah, she's got money written all over her for sure. And then was our main event. Oh, go ahead. Name real quick. Thea Trinidad. Oh yeah. Her being the manager. That could, that that could be there. That would be great. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that at all. I just like and, to throw, uh, throw stuff out there before anyone else says it. So when I take my victory lap, you know, I don't have to hear <laughs> that I heard it somewhere else. I've heard no one say that on any show. There I you think go. Theo Trinidad will be the manager. 
yeah, I I'm all I'm all with that. But main yeah. event time, TNT Championship match between Darby Allen the champion and Jungle Boy. Sting and Luchasaurus were involved in this match too, which we'll get to, but uh yeah, these guys did really really well and honestly, at this point right now, like with how well they've pushed Jungle Boy singles wise, this could have gone either way for me. Um but these guys did really really well. I did find the interaction between Luchasaurus and Sting kind of funny just because of how they were just smacking each other around a little bit as Sting wanted to keep the match. Uh, so no one got involved. And technically, Jungle Boy kind of used Luchasaurus's body to help himself up and get into the ring to beat the 10 count just barely. And Sting didn't really take kindly to that. And they were just kind of just beating up each other as they were going back up the uh, tunnel. And the the line that I saw where someone was like, this wasn't really Sting's first time fighting a dinosaur, and they put a picture of Hulk Hogan in Impact. Oh, boy. Uh, I actually shared that from my page. I thought that was so funny. It's so good. It's so simple, (laughs) but I like the simple joke sometimes the most. It's just too good. But, yeah, man, these guys did really well. Darby Allin is still, honestly, like my top guy in AEW in terms of my favorites. He's just so freaking good, and... These two had the ability because this was one of the first few times where we saw guys where their speeds were pretty close to the same. So they got to do a lot of big moves um, just moving off of each other. Um, and, yeah, there was a nice, great uh, pinning combination with the with uh, Darby counting countering a sunset flip. He got that last supper pin, which was able to get the win on Jungle Boy. And then immediately after that. Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, hot off of AW Eleva- Dark Elevation, comes out and starts beating up uh, Darby Allen. Uh, and e- Ethan Page hit him with the Ego's Edge. Lance Archer comes out because, in my head, I was like, first, I was like, well, wait, Sting came out first. And then, because when I was thinking about it and before I went to watch this back, I was like, Sting came out first. And then, and then. Lance Archer came out because I was like, oh, Lance Archer wants to stay safe Sting for himself. But no, Lance Archer just came out to help out Darby Allen, which um, was a little confusing to me. I'm sure somebody could probably explain it to me if they wanted to, because I just thought with the interactions between Darby and Sting, specifically Lance talking to Sting, he wouldn't really feel the need to help Darby Allen. But... After that is when Sting came down with the bat after Lance Archer got hit with a double low blow. And then that, they chased out Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. And that was the end of Dynamite. So I'll go to Josh first. If anybody can explain to me as to I know what's being built up at least between this. But it's just the fact that Lance came out first was what was confusing to me. Yeah, I'll leave explaining that part to Floyd. Uh, maybe he can uh, explain that because I, I can't explain it either. I was kind of like. I had to like, I was like folding laundry and I like went down to like fold a towel and I looked up and Lance Archer was on the screen. I'm like, what? (laughs) I was kind of, I was like, all right, whatever. And, uh, you know, uh, it was, I thought the interaction with Sting and Luchasaurus, I mean, it was, it was pretty awkward. Like they were doing the striking and that was fine. And then when they went to the tunnel, like it looked like they were going to do an Irish whip type thing, but neither one could decide like, um, like what to do, like who was going to throw who. Um, and so it was about as awkward, uh, 
quite honestly, as homeschool kids slow dancing at prom. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I say that as a as a former homeschool kid. So uh, don't at me or anything. I, I've witnessed it. I've witnessed many a homeschool prom. Uh, I'm I'm not proud to say. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a really good match. Um, Darby Allen hit the coffin drop on the apron, uh, which was pretty nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like at some point Jungle Boy's got to win the big one. Uh, he's he's been putting I think was this his third t- TNT title match? Um, it's it's at least his second. I want to say it's his third, and he just he comes so close every time. And you know the crowd's just way behind him. Um, you know I, I think it's time for for Jungle Boy to become Jungle Man and and win the big one, and put some hair on his <laughs> chest. You know, if I'm being perfectly honest, but no, I I, I love Darby Allen. Uh, you know, Sting isn't doing too much. He's not doing too little. He's kind of right there. He's like that perfect kind of, you know, uh, ace of the, ace up your sleeve with the baseball bat. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested to see kind of where this goes. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky as a tag team because I feel like you just pulled Scorpio Sky off of a tag team that he was obviously very successful in. Um, so I don't know, but you know. It wasn't the strongest uh, match on the card, I don't think, but I still think it was pretty good. All right. Uh, as far as this match, I, um, match was really, really good. Uh, I, you know, I was looking forward to it. I was wondering how they were going to tell the story. And I, I love what they did. They uh, showed Darby showing the vicious side of him. He's almost becoming what Cody had to become when he was the face champion. It's like your face... But if you want to keep your title, sometimes you have to go a little low, and you gotta get you gotta get a little nasty. So he had the eye rake at the end before he uh, finished off Jungle Boy because he had to get a little nasty in there. Uh, the Sting and uh, Luchasaurus thing was interesting. Probably a dream come true for old Luchasaurus getting a fight it out no sale with sting so i thought that was pretty cool i didn't even notice the whip thing i didn't i was just watching it and just in the in the moment i guess i just didn't notice it uh but yeah i thought the match everything was put together well they're setting up scorpio sky and ethan page uh as you know contenders for uh darby's title and lance archer is just kind of there and i like lance because i've always liked how he's booked because it's very hard to book a tweener. They have found that with Lance. Lance doesn't like anybody. It, it comes through and everything, but he respects Sting. So he's having Sting's back because he respects him, not because he likes him, but he's like, you told me the truth when everybody else was afraid to, you know, that kind of thing. So that's why I think Lance is kind of having Darby's back. It's not that he won't wreck, wreck Darby if needed be. It's that he respects Sting, so he's just kind of there for him in that situation. So that, yeah, that makes and, sense. And, but my mindset for that at least would be, like, if that's the case, I think it would have been much more effective if Sting came out first to protect Darby against Ethan and, uh, and Scorpio. He gets beat up. Then Lance comes out, and then he kind of eyes up Sting a little bit and gives him a little nod. The fact that Lance came out first is what made it so confusing. Because in my mind, it, like when I was thinking back to it, I was like, yeah, Sting came out, then Lance came out. That's what we built towards. But then when I watched it back, I was like, oh, wait, no, Lance came out first. And in my mind, I was just like, it would have made so much more sense if they just switched that, like just a small thing. I thought it would have made 
the interactions seem a lot more like cohesive at least yeah and, and it's funny because sting doesn't bump or do anything like that so i know sure they, but like maybe like they, a gut shot or something i know they have to i'm just saying they have to tell the story a certain way and that might have happened or unfortunately sting might have just missed this cue so, I was just about to say that. He's he's getting up there, you know? Yeah, Sting might have just been slow getting back to the ring. Maybe he was supposed to be there first. But I completely understand where you're coming from, Austin. I'm not saying I'm not saying I was just trying to say based on what happened, maybe Lance was having Darby's back as a respect gesture to Sting. Not that he won't, you know, destroy Darby if the title's on the line. But he's like, Okay, I respected him because when I came out here and got in his face I'm the murder hawk. Everybody usually runs. He stood to my face, and then he told me the truth and yelled at me like no one has ever done before. Like, Jake won't yell at him like that. Jake says he spends most of his time running. But Sting stood to his face and said, hey, you need to, you know, you need to not be this way. You need to be a champion in this business. So that drew a line in the sand as a respect line. Yeah, and like I said, like what you said about how they're booking him as a tweener and they've done him so well as a tweener. Because I could point to like the Lucha Brothers and like how like for a bit they were kind of tweeners and then Penta kind of went full heel, but then uh, Phoenix and Pac were kind of doing slight babyface stuff. Like the tweener that they're doing the best with is with Lance Archer and he's the one situation where he's just a full-on wrecking machine and really doesn't care about making friends but he'll have somebody's back if he chooses to um so yeah i i have i'm fine with it one change though would have made it work so much better and would have kept me from being confused i think but even his music lines up with his character everybody, everybody dies. dies he does not care <laughs> like everybody dies I just love he gets your character his character right out the way with that yeah so love that about him but I, I thought this was a solid main event. Uh, you know, and wrestling, there's always going to be these shows where this was a middle road show. I wouldn't call it like an A show, but it was a solid show. You know, the, this is the episode six. If you're thinking of in a series of tw- 23 episodes, it's like episode six. It was just like some stuff happened. You know, not really, you know, not a big deal. So I really enjoyed that because it was still good. Even though it was just episode, if this was any other company and it was kind of like this middle of the road, it would have been like, okay, why did, you know, I could have fast forwarded through that, but certain enough stuff happened where you needed to be paying attention. Yeah. And this show still did over a million too, after the, the hot 1.2 million they did first show since NXT moved over to Tuesday nights, they still did over a million for this show. Yeah, and basically how trends are tracking from the shows I've listened to, this is probably going to be their settle point, is a million. It's like uh, holidays or like uh, holidays, you could see it go down to like 900,000. But this looks like it's going to be its audience. And it's what most people thought their audience was going to be when, if they they didn't have NXT there. So... Uh, you know, NXT did its job. I mean, its job was to keep AEW's numbers down, and they did. So they did their job as long as it, but when it moved out the way, uh, it seems to be opening up for people to try the new product, which is cool. Yeah. 
But that was Dynamite for this week. Uh, we'll go quickly to the preview for next week's Dynamite of the matches that were announced on the show. First up, we got Penta versus Orange Cassidy after what they set, showed in the opening matchup. Um, yeah, not the opening matchup, but um, in the uh, Dynamite previously. Chris Statlander will be getting another singles match against Penelope Ford, who will be seeing back in, in the ring for the first time in a little bit since that arcade mayhem match that they had. Uh, Young Bucks will be tag teaming uh, to face off against the Seidel brothers in an eliminator match. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, Billy, and Lee Johnson uh, will be facing off against the factory. QT, Camarado, and, and Salo. Uh, Hangman will be going one-on-one with Brian Cage, and then we're going to be getting the inner circle and pinnacle parlay that Jericho alluded to in his promo that he cut on Dynamite as well. I can honestly say, I just want somebody from the pinnacle and the inner circle to fight. Yeah, I just, somebody's (laughs) got to, like, it's got to be the shot heard around the world where one guy swings and then they just all start going after each other. I mean, ultimately that's what it's going to be, but it's just... It seems like they're doing a lot of interviews and talking segments to build this to May 5th. It feels like you could do, like, Wardlow versus Jake Hager or Wardlow. You know, some matches. But, hey, they're going with the parlay. These two, Chris Jericho and MJF, have tremendous chemistry. So I am looking forward to that most the next week. But in general, I think it's kind of a soft card. Relatively, yeah. Um, I think Pen- like other, like the matches that are the strongest, honestly, is Penta OC, just because OC is still very popular and Penta is always good for a match. Um, but yeah, the parlay, I think, is going to be the one thing that's going to be the, the tuning in factor just because of how they're using it. And yeah, like you said, you really haven't gotten any physicality since the Inner Circle came back and beat the living hell out of the Pinnacle. So it'll be interesting to see if, how much physicality they show, if any. But I, I would think, yeah, someone's got to swing first. Yeah, I mean, it's, but, it's the go-home show for blood and guts, so. Yeah, you got to do it. So, Josh, anything specifically looking forward towards... Uh, next week's dynamite that you want to talk about yeah and you know i think uh you kind of hit the nail on the head with penta and oc that's that's going to be probably the best match uh on the night um i i love chris statlander i'm not a huge penelope ford fan so i think that one might kind of um it'll be a, a significant drop down from this week's uh women's match um so not too excited about that although i am happy that statlander is happy and, and healthy and back in action um I think that the Hangman and Brian Cage could be pretty good. Uh, we saw um, K. I got to see Cage in person. I, th- I think for the first time, at least the closest I've ever seen him at a uh, a Mania Weekend show, and uh, he he's always um, looks like a million bucks. I, I don't I don't know that anyone looks as shredded as as Brian Cage ever. Um, so yeah, I mean those those are kind of like the the two matches though is uh, Penta versus OC and and. Cage versus Page, uh, you know, not to rhyme there, um, but those those two I think will be worth tuning in for. Um, I you know r- with professional wrestling they always have the, the 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 contract signing, the parlay, the you know last talking segment before you kind of go into whatever it is. I, I'm not ever a huge fan of those because you kind of know how it's going to go, right? Um, but you know you got Jericho and MJF. Uh, face-to-face they've been very good every time they've done that so um it should be all right 
and uh, I think it'll be uh, wind up probably being another middle of the road show, but still, uh, you know, we'll see how they get rest ready for uh, blood and guts. And I think the one other thing I will say too is I think Young Bucks inside L Brothers is going to be very flippy. I can only imagine the type of shit they're going to do. Uh, if there's a move that doesn't contain a flip, I think that'll be a, the surprise of the night. <laughs> well, that's you're just talking crazy <laughs> right now, man. Like, let's let's speak real here on this wrestling show, Jesus. But <laughs> but that I think should do it for this no, episode. Uh, oh sir? no! Wait 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 wait. Uh oh. A topic you wanted to bring up. That we oh, over. So okay, yeah, sure. Just a couple minutes on this, if you would like. Sure, why not? Yeah, we'll bring it up. It's 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 got less to do with all uh, all AEW, but we'll bring it up since it was going around on the on Twitter. Um, was with good old Uncle Dave getting himself in trouble once again talking about women wrestling. Uh, Charlotte Flair was commented on uh, Wrestling Observer Radio of her return and. Dave Meltzer made some comments on the Wrestling Observer radio show that did not sit well with uh, one Charlotte Flair, who basically just was like, you know what? Fine. I'm I'm just going to say, go to hell, Dave, and just tore him to bits. I don't believe he's publicly responded to it uh, since she's made those tweets. But uh, Floyd, if you want to go down of like the the stuff that he said, it kind of relates to what we talked about uh, last week when we talked about JR kind of being a little bit more careful with his words with Chris Statlander coming back and not wanting to make comments about her size or her weight or anything like that. Whereas Dave really didn't, didn't hold anything back and got himself in trouble because of that. Okay. So I'm listening to the Dave show and he says, uh, Charlotte, uh, they wrote her off on Monday. They had her attacker referee, find her a hundred thousand dollars and suspended her indefinitely. He said the reason was is she's having dental surgery. He says the reason that they were having dental surgery is because Charlotte is looked at as a little older in the WWE and she's self-conscious about uh, WWE can make you self-conscious about their looks. So it looks like she's going in all in on her looks is what he said. Even when I said it, I was like, uh, people could take this the wrong way when he said it. It wasn't like. Like, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. When he said it, I was like, I'm literally hoping this doesn't get out. Uh, it's hilarious to me. What's most hilarious is Dave does a show behind a pay window. You literally have to be a paid member of, of Dave's page to listen to his podcast. That's why a lot of people I know don't listen to his podcast, right? So when you turn it on there, you're looking for Dave's opinion, right? So you get it. What I don't see is people taking this clip, going to Twitter, putting it up there, and then, you know, basically snitch tagging to tell Charlotte. Because it's just like, literally, Dave speaks to Dave's audience. You know what I mean? He doesn't really, it's not like Cornette, who has a very public podcast or anything. It's Dave's audience. But my thing is this. When Roman Reigns got his teeth done, right? Everybody remembers that happening. His super whites. People talked about it all the time, and no one said anything about it. When Chris Jericho got fat, and they played the game before the NBA, and everybody called Chris Jericho fat and talked about fat, no one said anything. Why is there a double standard? I I know why, but I just don't think there should be. When you're in wrestling, which is effectively a cosmetic business, it is... Not about how tough you are, it's how tough you look. 
It's not about this. I grew up knowing that it was okay to say a man is good looking in referencing to reference to his wrestling career. You can be like, man, that's a good looking kid. What that meant is women wanted to sleep with him. That's what it meant growing up. Right? They were talking about the looks. Wrestlers, as long as wrestling has happened. I know we are the smart fans, the star ratings. We care about the technical styles. But looks are a part of wrestling. People have not made it or are put in spots based on the way that they look. That's how it is. That's what the business is. That's any form of entertainment. Movie, TV, anything. You have people talk about the looks. I do not understand why this was such a touchy subject. It's just like you scream women in front of it and everybody is like, oh, you can't say that. But again, if Roman Reigns gained 25 pounds in a month and came back next week and, you know, he had the man boobs, would we say something about it? We absolutely would. Why can't it be the same on both sides? That's my whole thought process. Do you have any thoughts on it, Josh? And be feel free to tell me I'm stupid and completely disagree with me. Uh, well, first of all, Floyd, I'd never tell you that you're stupid because um, I don't think that's true. Um, I think this may come into kind of, you know, uh, the the fact of the matter is, is that this is not the first time at, in my recollection that Dave's gotten into hot water speaking specifically about the appearances of women uh, wrestlers. And I understand what you're saying about the male wrestlers uh, in kind of, you know, you know, when Ethan Page was heavier set, people talked about how he didn't have the physique to be a top guy. Um, there, there's, there's examples of that on both sides. Where I think it's different um, is that we had a long period of time where women in professional wrestling were just basically sexual objects to oogle at and noggle at. And I think that when you take that into consideration with the fact, you know, we are, we're in 2021 now and he's gotten in trouble for this stuff before he should be smart enough to step back and said, and just, you know, change how he says things. Um, I, I don't, I, I've, I've not heard what he said. I, I've only just now seen the Charlotte tweets because I went and looked at it uh, when you brought it up. Um, I, man, it, it's it's a tough conversation to have because I, you know, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm just I'm being some overly woke asshole, and I don't want to sound like I'm I'm being reductive about it. Um, there there has to be some middle conversation about the way we talk about it and the way we talk about looks, right? Um, because I, I think this comes up more when it's a Charlotte Flair than, say, like an Abaddon. Because people don't, to my, you know, from what I've seen at least, there hasn't been big blow-up things about anyone saying anything about Abaddon's look. And part of that could be because of her character is supposed to be the zombie thing and it's not as important to be, you know, a blonde bombshell as it is to Charlotte Flair's character. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think there's an easy answer to it. I don't think that, you know, I, I just from, from hearing you explain it, I don't know that he did anything wrong 
um, other than speculating um, about something that he could he could you know definitely figure out for sure um, without speculating. Um, and you know, I, I think he's he's smart enough to know that when he says things, they're going to be taken X way or Y way. So I, I, I don't. I think that's why he doesn't respond. I, I clearly yeah. think that's why he just you know. I think yeah. you're going to think what you think. You know, the people you know, her coming out doesn't affect his bottom line because the people no, it never will. Meltzer, no, subscribe to Meltzer no matter what. You know what right. I mean? Right, right. He the people know what what he's about. People know what he's going to say. And and honestly, he's he could also be that old school mind of, I'm going to say something to get extra buzz because you know I don't give a shit. People know what I'm going to say, and maybe I'll, I'll get more clicks, right? And let me tell you, I can honestly say, as a person, I'm not a Melter guy. I don't defend what he says or whatever. I, I listen to his show because it's informative. He does not say things like that to cause shitstorms. Actually, if he knew that this was a shitstorm would have cost, he wouldn't have addressed it at all. He would have just said, uh, Charlotte's out for a medical procedure and went on a went uh, on. But he thought what he said was innocent and that's why he said it. I've seen him stumble over different things. Like he won't ever say anything about Peyton or Billy Royce, uh, Bill, uh, Peyton Royce or Billy Kay anymore. He's he Yeah, no that was bad. Yeah. This was dental surgery. She right. said she was having dental surgery. He didn't say her teeth were jacked up. He actually provided no opinion other than to say that because she's older, the WWE gets really self-conscious. They can make you feel really self-conscious about looks, which yeah. is a sentiment that other women's wrestlers have shared. You know, this is like not him making this thing up out of nowhere. So I know you if you yell women and looks, the person on the other side of it is automatically wrong. I get it. There's no introduces or not just yell women looks you know it's like you never talk about a woman's looks i'm like i mean yeah i mean but you do roman reigns is the world champion for a reason he is the face of fox you know why because he has that face he is a very attractive man that is why he's the world champion is right. he especially more talented at wrestling than anyone else no he's hot that's why he's the champion what what is wrong with saying that? Yeah, yeah. no, it, it, it's it like I said, it, it's a nuanced issue, right? It, it definitely is, it, and but I I just think that that the the historical context of women in wrestling plays a part in it more so than and then you know you brought up the the Peyton Royce uh, Billy Kay thing, uh, yeah, I mean he got absolutely roasted from that, so yeah, I could see him not thinking that this would be a big thing that would blow up because he said that Charlotte was subconscious. Um, but he, he should know from the last time, or at least he should be willing to learn from the last time he said something that people got mad at him about, especially as it pertains to the way he comments on female wrestlers looks. Um, he, he either doesn't care about it and that's fine. He doesn't have to, um, or he just, I mean, he just refuses to learn. Just kind of like, I mean, JR says shit all the time that you just go, oh, God, JR, it's not 1998, right? Like, so, I mean, there's there's differences there. And, and you know, I, I for whatever, you know, I mean, hey, if she is self-conscious, I'll be the first one to say that she has no reason to be self-conscious because she's an absolutely beautiful human being. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's a perfect answer. Yeah, when I unfortunately when I look at her, all I see is her dad. So only thing, not that I'm saying Charlotte would ever even notice me in the world, but yeah, I just like she looks like her dad. So it's like weird for me, you know, <laughs> as a person that's been staring at that man for the majority of my existence. <laughs> it is weird to see a woman that, and you see her her dad's features in there. She, I mean, and I could see how when people find her attractive, but as far as me concerned, she's just Charlotte. I literally just watch her because she's an amazing wrestler, and that right. has nothing to do with anything. But again, like I said, someone will have to explain to me why it's one day why it's okay to say things about Roman and Chris Jericho and all the other people. If anybody got fat in wrestling, you could say the dude did. But if anybody else, if you know, female changes her, uh, changes her look in some dramatic way, which is a big part of wrestling. Your look is a huge part of wrestling. Why is it not okay to acknowledge the change that is happening? He didn't, you know, why can't you say that? Why can't you say yeah. Stantlander got in really amazing shape and she looks so, so much more athletic and so much quicker. And why can't you say that? Why can't you give her credit for putting in the work? But well, now, it's, go ahead, Austin. Nah, yeah, no, you were, I was going to just wrap it up, but you can go ahead and get your point out. No, it just, and, and I'll, I'll kind of just, and this will be probably the last thing I say about it. I, I think there's a, a way to, to talk about it and a way to commentate it you know, on a live wrestling show. Like, you know, JR can just say, like, you know, Chris Atlander has clearly put in the, the effort uh, to become a better wrestler. You can say things like that, and you don't have to make it a comparative dialogue, right? Like, you don't have to say, like, oh, she was heavier, and now she's lighter. Now look how faster she is. You could just say, go out, Chris Atlander has picked up her speed, right? Like, I think there's there's a way to kind of package it and. You know, like I, I want to make sure. You know, like I, I have a daughter, so I, I don't want her to ever be. You know, have the regardless of what she does. You know, I'm not saying she's going to be a professional wrestler, but she kicks the shit out of me all the time, and she's four years old. <laughs> um, but you know, if if she ever chose to do something that had you know uh, a public thing, like man, I would I would hope to God that she was judged on the content of what she was doing versus what she looked like. Um, and and I think that's true of my son too i it, i think it, you're right Floyd. unfortunately i think we live in a world where um that we've we've done this for so long and we've over sexualized women for so long um that it, you know there, there's it, it, almost a reckoning uh for it and so it's it's a careful it's a careful subject it's a tough subject um Dave probably should just not talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's kind of I, I think that's kind of where I end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think just the the bottom line of it is that like it's like like honestly, if, it's happened before. It's it doesn't need to happen again. So just like let so it leave it alone. Eh, well, I guess <laughs> yeah, like, I guess the name Meltzer rings louder, but yeah, I mean yeah. like look, we know like here's what I'll say at least at the end of the day. At least he didn't send a trash bag of their stuff to their house. Facts. <laughs> At least he didn't do that. So we got a positive there. When we left, my, when I left any of my companies, they give you the brown box. They put your stuff in a brown box. 
What happened to the brown box? They don't have any cardboard boxes. Someone find these men. <laughs> some someone find these men brown boxes because apparently they're out. Jesus yeah, Christ! Throw it in a trash bag. <laughs> that is that's crazy. Yes, that's some that's some office type shit. Like literally shit you would see from the office. But <laughs> <laughs> I, after after an interesting conversation uh, to end off this show, yeah, I think that'll be the last thing we'll do for all things elite this week. First off, Josh, my man, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of All Things Elite, man. So great to have you on. But like, oh, great to be here. Yeah. Get your plugging out, man. Like, where can people find you and the 8-Bit Suplex podcast here on Social Suplex? Yeah, absolutely. Check out uh, 8-Bit Suplex on the Social Suplex podcast network. Uh, you know, we we had a uh, kind of a, a run where we were unable to uh, kind of get any of our recordings in. Uh, you know, my co-host uh, had a really bad battle with COVID. Uh, she's good now. She's she's recovered. She's back in action. Uh, you know, we had some some different you know work stuff going on both of us. So uh, we're we're back. We're trying to uh, get our recordings out. We'll have a recording out uh, this weekend to get you ready for Rebellion. Um, so definitely check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, wherever you get your social suplex podcast networks, and uh, definitely follow us on Twitter at Eight Bit Suplex. Um, and then uh, my personal Twitter is linked there. I like I said, I I am terrible at I was terrible at Twitter when I started. I don't know that I'm good at it now. Uh, but I believe it's at Laughlin underscore Joshua. Uh, don't quote me on that uh, entirely, uh, but definitely, definitely go follow Ape at Suplex. Uh, we'd love to have you there for uh, a nice discussion about uh, Rebellion, and maybe we'll talk some uh, some games in there too. If you talk anything about Resident Evil 8, I will be there in a heartbeat because I already put in my pre-order for that game. I also have it pre-ordered for my uh, PS5 as well. Let's go. I got it for my PC, so I'm just waiting on those demos to drop. Yeah, I, <laughs> nice. I, I am currently playing MLB The Show with my beloved Red Sox, and it's been having a good time. All right. I will say the frame rate on the Xbox One ain't great. It ain't great. I, I'm sure it'll, it's good on Series X, but it's not great on the One. <laughs> but uh, be sure, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoy the show, keep downloading the show. Subscribe to the show, whether you listen to us on Google or Apple Podcasts, or if you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms. Share us around with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish, anyone you think would be enjoying the episode. Even if they don't, shove it in their text messages or their tape the episode link to their house or something. I don't care. Do anything you can to get get us a listen. We would really appreciate it. If you like us so much, you can donate through Red Circle. We'd be super appreciative of that. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod. At Social Suplex is the guys that make the shows like 8-Bit Suplex and this show possible. I am at SZoomer4 on Twitter. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And with everything out of the way with this episode of All Things Elite, once again, thank you so much for listening. I will leave it for Floyd to take us home for tonight. All right. So make sure this week, if you are ever so inclined to order Impact's Rebellion pay-per-view, uh, it comes uh, Sunday, and Mauro Nalo will be calling uh, the main event match between Quint Kenny Omega and Rich Swan. And if you entered the contest for the Cody jacket, I will announce it tomorrow, Friday afternoon. I will just post it on the Twitter page. I did. I will, we recorded on Thursday, so that's why I'm not announcing it on the show because I, I said everybody had to Friday morning at 6 a.m. to get their entries in. But I will just say, you know, we all we're starting to get vaccinated. Everybody's starting to get out there until we get the word. Please still remember to social distance, 
wear your mask, take care of the people around you because uh, you know his co uh, his co host had COVID. I had COVID. That shit sucks. So yeah, uh, still be watching out for everybody and taking care of everybody. And I will leave you with this last thing. I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. R.I.P. Shock G. And whatever you do, whether it's homework or school, always do your best to be elite.